talking about Netflix characters. <laughs> yeah, you know, I find it interesting, like this whole section thing. Um, what was it, section 32 or 31? 31. 31, right, yeah. No, like, they're like, uh, it sounds actually very awesome. But the thing is, um, like, I have the same concerns too. Like, if they're suddenly do, pulling like a, um, like a mirror on it and, um, like, like they're going through the looking glass and doing, um, um, looking glass and doing the reverse, like, they were a shadow organization. Now they're in the open and they're, they're, um, they're not as dark anymore. So, yeah, like, for example, is Discovery, how do you, Describe the tone of that show. Is that light or dark? Hmm. I think you said think... it feels like um, the original, right? Except more modern. Sorry, I shouldn't have answered that. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> you know, um, you, you're, you're. I think it's somewhere in, in the middle. I think they uh, it, leaning more towards the darker side. But section thirty one. Would you say it's darker than um, Picard? No, I, I think Par Picard probably even went to some darker places. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's where I get, I get the feeling of that too. So, yeah, it's interesting. I was just I thought about it because, like, um, because uh, because if, if if Discovery was kind of dark, then I guess it'd be kind of like a um, they're trying to inject some more like light in it, a light light um, into the like future series. Because if you get too dark, then it might um, will kind of repel viewers because like, oh, I don't want to watch this depression stuff anymore. Like that's what I thought maybe they were trying to balance it out or yeah, but obviously I was wrong. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that the darkness is a little relative and I don't mean to sort of, you know, be so metaphysical about Star Trek, but these shows are definitely darker than the ones that came before. So, mm -hmm. These yes. modern shows definitely have darker themes. They touch on. You did slavery. have um, Deep Space Nine. That was dark, wasn't it? Yeah. The, um, for, for at that moment, Deep Space Nine was cutting edge darkness. In fact, the, the Section 31 gets introduced in Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. And the fans rebelled. They, they were like, how could there be. The, the, no one liked the idea that the utopia. And that the that the sort of clean, pristine moral center of the Federation and Starfleet was built around this parasitic organization willing to do dirty work. No one liked that. They were like, no, we, the, the, there, there can't be a Section 31. And now we're rebelling again about the idea of an entire show dedicated to this aspect of Star Trek. Yeah. But Stanton, yeah. you, you could be right in that. Uh, I, I, you know, I hear you coming from a place as a fan who's a little more casual saying, you know, well, that that actually sounds pretty interesting to me. Right. Like it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, but I think Star Trek fans who, who are as deep into it as myself and Wellabers usually have to get pushed in into these places. Yeah. Seeing is believing. Right. Also, um, <laughs> For us, that, yeah. Um, like with um, Discovery, where you said, um, no, not the Discovery, where you said Section 31 had, had this kind of like awesome power, this kind of technological power where they suddenly um, took over the ship in, in in some series, like in the old school series or in one series, you said? Well, I, I think, um, again, I'm, I'm trying to keep the spoilers down, but Section 31 yeah. plays a huge part in Disco Season 2. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think what's important without giving anything away is that they go from being a shadow organization made up of 
a, a small group of specialists, people who you, you don't know who they really are. You don't know their real names. You don't know if they have a rank in, in Starfleet. You just yeah. know that they have an, a very specific set of skills to accomplish these sort of yeah. uh, tactically. Yeah, resources. Right, on very limited resources. And it seems like whatever resources they had, they hijacked from Starfleet the same way Hydra would hijack resources from S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. Perfect parallel there. But when you see them in Disco, suddenly they have uniforms, they have communicators, they have their own base. <laughs> you know, it, it's like... But are they still technologically advanced? Like They, they seem to be more advanced than the Federation from... Yeah, from oh, okay. Disco yeah. yeah you can... If you, if you want to take a look at it, there's a lot of... Um, Anxiety within Star Trek in all those shows and movies and stuff about the Tel Shihar, the Romulan Secret Service. And uh, the Federation Starfleet always seemed like a, a beacon of light uh, in a dark universe where a warmongering uh, secret societies, uh, every, uh, warmongering uh, empires uh, are, uh, are there. Uh, the Obsidian Order in Cardassian Union, um, and then all of a sudden, Starfleet or the Federation has a has a has a section or a Section 31, a secret service, uh, maybe even darker than all those other orders because they at least were known by name, uh, mm. and uh, their existence was acknowledged, and uh, the Federation just uh, yeah just kept that from everyone, and uh, that was a well, slap in the face for people who actually re believed in uh, the utopian society uh, Star Trek had portrayed until that moment. So uh, it was a, it was a big deal, and uh, with sec uh, Section Thirty One coming so out in the open in Disco Season Two, mind yeah. you, uh, like Lord Desmond said, ten years before uh, um, the original series is taking place. Um, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. But at least we hope we're generating some excitement for you guys to, to yeah. check this out, you, you know, when it does come on. So if they go into production with it soon. And to come back to business question, I think the lighter part of modern Trek uh, will be in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, okay. uh, uh, without spoilers, uh, Another part of uh, Discovery Season 2 um, has something to do with um, the USS Enterprise. And Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, seems to uh, be a spin-off of that part of uh, Discovery Season 2. So, uh, And I have a feeling that will be a little bit more like old-style Trek. Okay. But again, uh, going back to section 31, I'm just really interested now. But like, um, you said you said that like there was a difference um, between the old one and the new version, like in, in Discovery. Uh, maybe that I guess that suggests that they're they're both in the same like universe, like they're actually the same people, right? I'm gonna piggyback on that just real quick, and and yeah. that, this is the same question. I was wondering the same thing, and is it more of a stylistic choice from from one you know group of creators to another, or is it a conscious choice that has to do with a progression of those characters? Or is it? It, oh. it may be a little of both. I think um, it could be a bit of a progression in which you're trying to take what was a smaller organism. It doesn't make sense though in that by the time you get to the 24th century 
Uh, Section 31 is a smaller organization, but when they first started, it seems like right as the Federation uh, became a thing in the in the galaxy, they had huge infrastructure and tons of men and, and weapons and ships and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. only to become a smaller organization like centuries later. Now, yeah. depending nobody, on your Nobody I'm even sorry, heard Lord. of them. I'm sorry, Lord. Right. And I don't, but nobody had even heard of Section 31 at that mm -hmm. moment. Uh, they showed up very late in uh, Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine in that show. I think season five somewhere. So yeah. that's basically 12 seasons of Star Trek uh, uh, where they were not mentioned. Uh, and you have the original series where they were not mentioned. You have like 10 movies uh, where they were not mentioned. And all so of a sudden... They... That guy shows up uh, uh, and says uh, Section 31 is a thing, and it's and it's very secretive. It seems very small. It's, it's it seems very powerful, uh, and now you all of a sudden have a show that is taking place before all that, where Section 31 is huge. So it doesn't add up. Um, so yeah. they need to explain that somehow in right. a certain way uh, in the coming seasons otherwise yeah it, uh, it is really breaking uh, there's a sex uh, the ca the canon gets uh, broken up so what have they appeared between um discovery and deep space nine they have um they they've been they, they primarily have been on a show called deep space nine and then another one called enterprise and the way they've operated is um, usually you get one Section 31 operative. They're aggressive recruiters. And what they do uh, is they recruit Starfleet officers. So they approach you. They isolate you. They approach you as a Starfleet officer because they profile you. They're kind of like, this, this Starfleet officer, you know, where they are in their career, we know that they would be an excellent operative for Section 31. So you have... Starfleet officers moving in and out of, of Section 31, joining this group for special operations, and then coming back to their normal Starfleet duties. And, oh, you know, okay. Star Trek canon has tried to show the conflict in that. Like, you know, you're... you're kind of like you're a doing... secondment or something. Um, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Like a secondment? Like, like, like so, so just like what you were saying, they, they just... Um... Um, are they, are, are, well, you could call it an elaborate con, but I, I think yeah. they, they, they function as handy. No, 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 I think you misheard me. I'm just saying, like, um, it's basically saying, like, they pick out, like, Starfleet officers and then they just um, do a, maybe a certain job or do a certain, like, maybe a year and then they let him go or something. Yeah, usually Section 31 assignments last for a few days and you're meant yeah. to do a very specific thing. So you're mm. one person in a, in, a, in, a, in a huge machine that Section 31 is operating across the fleet. And yeah. your job might be to make sure that your captain does not get a certain subspace communication at a, at a critical moment, because that's going to keep him information blind.
the the TV okay. show yeah. goes on for seven seasons. Hydra the TV show. <laughs> As somebody who's not apt to watch every Star Trek show, I, I enjoy them, but I, I'm kind of a little more a la carte. I just kind of right. I'll sort of. Yeah, I'm a fan. Never never doubt it. You you, no. you are one of us. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I do love it. I'm just apt, I'm more apt to, to pick out one that I really enjoy rather than just trying to, to watch the whole thing. Right. Um, but that, that one sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to give that a, a, a better look and maybe, maybe you'll get me on that. I've still got to finish the original series though. So that, that's going to happen. Well, where, where are you, where are you in your, in your current, I'm sorry, Biz, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, um, uh, where uh, are you in, in your journey, Stanton? Uh, ori- original series. Uh, I just said, yeah, I, so I like to go back and just watch old school stuff or do old school stuff. There was one time I was a big Final Fantasy fan, and I went back and played all the sprite games. Sometimes I just like going back and playing the original. So I, one day, I, yeah, one day I was just like, you know what? I want to watch the original series. So I started watching it, and it was, uh, it was, it's just been fantastic. I'm probably about episode five in season two uh, right now. So I've got to, I just want to finish that out. Um, and there's three seasons to the original series, so I've got to write three. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, am I? yeah, you, yeah. you are not mistaken. Yeah, so uh, I've got to. Uh, I want to. I want to finish that up. I don't. I'm not really a next generation person. I don't think, but something more like uh, a Section Thirty One or Discovery sounds sounds more my speed. So I, I might really give one of those a shot at some point in the near future. So we'll, I will we'll, try we'll not to hold it against you that you're gonna you're gonna skip over TNG. All right, <laughs> but sorry, that, it's totally cool. No, it's totally. Cool. Uh, well, I, I would never skip TNG because yeah, data. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, Data is uh, Brent Spiner is fantastic in that show, and uh, I think he, uh, yeah, Data is a, a very important character in Star Trek. I, I just, that's there. We can talk a whole hour about Data, but yeah, let's could. not do that. I'm <laughs> not going to start. We can do a whole other thing on that. Just, just kind of wrapping up Star Trek then for now, and and we can do a whole another a whole other talk on Star Trek because this is this is fascinating to me. Uh, but um, do, do you guys have any particular, like maybe one sort of standout favorite uh, Star Trek moment that that you might that you might discuss? I know I hadn't kind of prepared you for that. I I, I have oh. one that that's in my mind. If I can, I can start with well, that. If you why, why don't you start, Stanton, and right. um, that'll give me a second to, to to think of something. All right, all right. C- consider it for a second. So um, this isn't probably as 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 deep as some of the you know humanitarian stuff that that we were discussing earlier but it was just more of like an experience thing um and having you know watched some of the original films first uh, with the original cast and being a, a huge fan of of wrath of khan and especially undiscovered country um it, you know and and then going back and watching the original series i i was kind of plodding through and i didn't i got to an episode called space seed yeah do you guys know what you, oh, so you, yeah. guys, you know where I'm going with this? Okay. So I got to an episode called Space Seed and I didn't actually know this was gonna happen, but I was I was a good chunk of the way through the episode where they uh I'm just gonna go ahead and say what happens, I guess. Can I can I should I do that? Uh, well, spoilers from like fifty years ago, sure. Yeah, spoilers from fifty <laughs> years ago. All right. So I, my experience from this is is watching this episode and, and they find this this uh this um derelict ship with uh a, a a hypersleep uh, crew and they start waking them up. And even after the guy stood up, it started to go off in my mind that I was like, wait a minute, could this be? And then, and then he kind of turns around and they announce him and I'm like, it's gone. I was like, gone. mind blown. I was like, what? I didn't, I, I, I actually didn't know enough about the series to know that was going to happen. So that was just a really like, what moment for me? And I thought it was really, really epic. 
I would have loved to have been there to see the look on your face when that happened. It was cool because it was a great it, episode. It was the, yeah, it's a great episode first of all, but it's this. It was this slow dawning on me. I started to go, that is that wait, and then they said it, and I was like, no, it was, it was cool. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed that one. So uh, I don't know. Any, anybody got anything in particular? Well, oh, I, yeah, I have one. Um, there's a scene in Star Trek Deep Space Nine that brings me to tears. Um, it's in, I think, season three. Uh, Nog, a young Ferengi, uh, all of a sudden gets it into his head. He wants to join Starfleet. And he gets tested by uh, Commander Sisko. And uh, why? Because he doesn't trust him. Nog is uh, sort of a, a criminal, uh, a friend of his son, but he actually doesn't want his son to be friends with Nog. He's a Ferengi, and he's, a, he's not to be trusted. And Nog has it in his mind. He wants to become the first Ferengi in Star, uh, Starfleet. Um, and at the end of the episode, um, the truth comes out where Nog is criticizing Ferengi society and um, he basically doesn't want to end up like his father. And um, that's the moment that Cisco accepts him and will endorse his uh, entry into uh, Starfleet Academy. Uh, that scene... Um, Aaron Eisenberg, uh, who recently passed away, by the way, uh, absolutely steals the show at that moment. And he is uh, totally, uh, yeah, it's a character I, I love, I love dearly. So and when I read Aaron Eisenberg passed away, uh, it actually, uh, yeah, it was quite emotional for me. And that scene is so emotional, so powerful. Uh, and uh, it's 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 a scene that is very dear to my heart. Wow, that's great. Good pick. There's a lot to unpack in the episode that Wellabers is talking about, guys. So, you know, while while I won't give you the backstory of a Ferengi and, and what that is and what their culture is like, um, I, I think he's explained the scene well and why it was so powerful to him. Uh, but I highly uh, recommend that you check that episode out of Deep Space Nine. It's a really great one. Uh, for me, uh, it's really hard to pick one. I mean, I mean we're, we're talking about years and years and years and years of content, decades worth at this point. But I have been doing um, a casual rewatch of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. And one of the episodes that stood out to me and sort of, you know, got me a little misty was... There's an episode where um, Lieutenant Commander Data, who is an android, he's um, synthetic life, if, if that, that's what the cool kids are calling it today. Um, there is an episode where his uh, right to exist as a citizen of the Federation is called into question. So there are people in Starfleet Command who believe that Data is a machine. He's a piece of property. We can disassemble him. We can use that knowledge to then build more datas. So the, the whole idea, and, and um, if you don't know this about data, data is one of a kind. He, his creator, Dr. Noonien Soon, uh, built uh, two androids that had positronic brains, um, and that technology could not be replicated again. Noon sort of disappeared or passed away, 
And so the the whole idea that you could build an army of data was a foregone conclusion because no one could replicate the technology, making data unique within Starfleet. So um, data's commanding officer, Captain Picard, whom whom we all know from popular culture, he's like, no, data is a new form of life. He's a sentient being. We can't just put him on a bench and tear him apart and treat him like a piece of property. And there are all these parallels around um, individuality and slavery, and they pack a lot into this 45-minute episode minus commercials. And um, what you come away with, um, I'm not going to spoil how the episode goes, but what you come away with is, is um, I, I, for me, is a profound feeling of pride in, in Star Trek for handling an issue like this you can always use science fiction to say what you want about modern culture with, with with everybody sort of feeling it's in the context of a fantasy. It's like, oh, you know, this is make-believe. But when I saw that, I was like, this comes really close to actually talking about <laughs> so, some fairly serious stuff in terms about the sovereignty of, of, a, of, an, of a living being. And um, th- there's a trial in the, in the great Star Trek tradition. There, there, there's a judge advocate, and, and there's a lot of back and forth in that legal tradition in the episode. Great dialogue, uh, great sound design and effects. Um, there's one moment in the episode that I will spoil in which um, the first officer of the Enterprise, Commander Riker, is on the opposing side of the legal argument as Picard, who has to defend Data's rights. And at one point... Um, Riker, who who has to do this job of proving that data is a piece of hardware, he asked the commander to remove his arm. He's like, would you just take off your arm for us? And data, being an android without the emotional sort of context of a human being, dutifully does it, thus proving that he's a machine, right? Like you're holding this being's arm you're you're look you're noticing that it's covered with um you know an artificial skin. There's servos in it. Um, it, it was a devastating blow in the trial that I thought that uh Riker dealt. But um to to, to if if you want to just jump in a la carte for TNG and check that episode out, great moment. Really loved it. The measure of a man. The measure of a man. That's what and uh, and uh, one of the most powerful scenes. Uh, in that episode is two people sitting at a bar in an empty uh, ten forward uh, talking about this and uh, it's I think Patrick Stewart and Whoopi Goldberg at their absolute best yeah it's uh, absolute absolute uh, you should watch this it's a recommendation uh, and if you're not into TNG uh, watch that episode, and I think you will run through seven seasons within three weeks. It's right. <laughs> it's well, everything maybe, that Trek uh, is should be. I, I'm not holding the TNG thing against you because um, you do have to slog through some early growing pains with TNG. It was 87, and they were trying to bring Star Trek back from the 60s. So those first two seasons are uh, quite a bit uneven. Although you know, as a diehard fan, I, I kind of I, I love them anyway. But if you look at it objectively, people would be like, you know, this Code of Honor episode, real weird, the the, the space, you know, <laughs> African-American people. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally that, – that, that's my moment. I don't know, uh, Biz, if you have one um, that stands out to you. 
Well, not so much like in an episode. I don't really have a favorite episode. I haven't watched that much um, in terms of like the Star Trek series, apart from like Picard and the other stuff I mentioned. Um, but I do have like a favorite scene in a movie um, where it's pretty much like I think I think it was like near the beginning, or it might have been been the opening of um, the first J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek film, where you see this like little kid, like this little rascal, and <laughs> he saw like I think his. Um, like dad's car or relative's car just goes racing through the highway and then like it goes past like i think a cop a futuristic um cop on a motorbike he gets to the edge of the cliff um he, he lets the car go but you see the slow mode and then he like he has his, has his hands on this on the cliff i'm like this is james kirk right there yeah the measure of the man like brave um impulsive risky so yeah that that, that was like an awesome scene for me that's yeah. really cool. That is a great moment um, from from that first movie. James yeah. Tiberius Kirk. Uh, what exactly. I think he was at the wheel of a Mustang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I I think this sums it up a little bit too, because like Biz and I were a little more like I don't know like like action sort of oriented. You guys are like going on for like ten minutes about the these deep beast. humanitarian yeah. stuff. I think that's <laughs> I, think, I think that's great because you guys have watched so much more of it. So I I love that I, you can feel how much you guys love it. So I think that's I think that's super awesome. So. Uh, you got me into a couple of things here, but um, we 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 kind of ready to move on at this point. Anybody yeah. got any wrap up? Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk some more Trek at some point though. I I, I love I, this is exactly what I was hoping for that you guys are like really passionate about it and can talk about Trek. I think that's awesome. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and talk about uh, just completely shift gears and talk about some Marvel Netflix stuff. Um, the the Netflix rights uh, for the Marvel characters have essentially all come back now. So I I have a I have a couple of things on this. Um, one, I what I think they should do and what they'll probably do is a little bit different. I, I think I think they'll pro- I would love to see the cast back. I, I would love to see everybody brought back and and uh, just kind of continue on maybe, you know, with a, a, a multi-year time gap, you know, whatever appropriate time gap there is bringing him bring him in in whatever form you want. So maybe Daredevil or Iron Fist are more powered up than they were. You can start them at any level you want and you don't really have to explain what they've been doing the last couple of years. You can just kind of bring them in. I think they'll probably end up recasting if I had to guess. And I'm hoping they do it in kind of that, you know, don't go over the origin, let the Netflix shows stand as what they are. You don't have to refer to them, but they can be there as an origin for anybody who wants to treat them as an origin. That's what I would, that's what I think that they'll probably end up doing. And most of that is kind of based on kind of how they've handled uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man's been there. They haven't. Uh, they intentionally didn't sit around and, and go deep into his origin again because we've seen it and there was already uh, some very sufficient origins done. Um, and and I think it's just kind of understood what that origin is. So I don't think they'll really get back into origins with them, which is why I think you'll be able to kind of accept the continuity of, of what happened in the Netflix shows at least a little bit. Um, that's what I think will probably go on. Uh, but you know what? I, I had a I had a couple things because I know there's some debate as to whether or not they can legally use them. Um, and I I took a while to sort of uh, look up some some quotes on this. Uh, give me just one second here. I had them pulled up and then I'm going to take my time getting back to them. Give me a second here. Yeah, guys. Archer searching. Maybe you can give your feelings already. Uh, yeah. So like. Um... There was that rumor where um, Ke- uh, Kevin Feige was going to still use like some of the main cast of uh, the Netflix shows. Um, like he was going to use 
um, what's his name? John Bernthal. That's his name, right? John Bernthal. John Bernthal, the Punisher. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then he was still going to keep Wilson Fisk and also Charlie Cox. No, I mean, not Wilson Fisk. Uh, <laughs> that's the character's name. Uh, Vince, how do you how do you pronounce his last Vince name? Vince D'Onofrio, I guess. Exactly. Some Italian name. And then um, he's going to keep Charlie Cox. So, the, like, those are, I think those are the three main guys. And I thought that was like, yeah, that, that that's 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 a good way to go with, like, keep those characters and, and, and those characters because they were, they were the, the strongest characters of the whole Marvel Netflix show. But in terms of, like, is that actually going to happen? Uh, it's hard to say. Like, um, has, does anyone know Kevin Feige's thoughts on the Marvel Netflix shows? I was... that that anything? That, that, pulled, that was going to go... I was, I was looking at. So right. there's, there's, there's two answers to that. One um, is what Kevin Feige said, but also there's, some, there's at least some debate as to whether or not they're legally allowed to. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I just... I was looking up quotes about where they stood on this issue before because i thought i'd heard they had movie contracts so i looked it up uh, and bob Iger, um who's no longer the the head of the head of disney but he was at the time uh said uh specifically stated that if the characters proved popular enough they could go on to star in feature films mm-hmm. um kevin feige at one point had said um the films referencing the television series was inevitable but the schedules didn't always match up but he's obviously was clearly open to it um and then um uh, uh, Daredevil. Why am I losing his name? Charlie Daredevil. Cox. Charlie Cox. So sorry. So yeah. sorry. That's terrible of me. So uh, Charlie Cox at one point had specifically said that um, they were contractually obligated to appear in films if uh, Marvel chose them to be so. So oh, okay. I really don't know how there's... I don't know if anything official has been said about it since then, but I don't see how Netflix canceling anything would would go back on those contracts. I think if they were contracted to be in films at the time, they would be contracted to be in films now. I don't see how that's gone away. I have some general feeling about this. Um, okay. First, my personal view. Uh, I think they should be rebooted and recasted. Uh, not so much, show, like Art said, not show the, uh, the origin again, because uh, those shows are there. If you want to see the origin, you can. Uh, but um, I have a feeling that Kevin Feige is not too fond of uh, what Marvel uh, television has done in the last few years. Uh, not so much about the Inhumans, uh, not so much about Age of Shield, actually, uh, and not so much about the Marvel Netflix shows. Uh, he. When when he produced Endgame, they brought everybody in uh, who was connected, including the only show that they produced for Marvel Television uh, from Marvel Studios, and that's Agent Carter. I mean, uh, James Darcy uh, showed up as uh, Jarvis uh, in the 1970s she- uh, scene, and that's the, uh, if you do that, then there's actually no reason to not bring in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters or Marvel Netflix characters uh, but the fact that the, he they didn't do that uh, shows me that he doesn't consider those shows canon so to avoid confusion um, I think he will uh, recast those characters uh, if I'm too happy about it no because I actually like Charlie Cox's Daredevil I liked Luke 
Cage. I, uh, Mike Coulter, was it? Mike Coulter, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like John Bertal as the Punisher was great. Um, wasn't too fond of uh, Kirsten Ritter's Jessica Jones or no. uh, yeah. Danny Rand. Uh, what's uh, Iron what's, Fist? Yeah, I, I can't remember his name, the actor name. Oh, but uh, yeah, I, but I've got a specific take on that one, but we can get to that but, later. But uh, and, and not so much that I see. I think Iron Fist should be Asian. And like I said before, I don't care uh, who plays a certain character uh, or what gender a character is or how they look. Because basically, if if it's written well and if the actor is good, then it doesn't really matter. It, it's it, it's all about portraying a character and bringing over emotion, and it has to serve a story. But that being said. Um, I, I didn't think he did a good job as Iron Fist. Um, so I don't see those actors coming back for these roles. Uh, and of all those characters, uh, I see the most potential for showing up soon uh, for Daredevil and The Punisher. And, for sure. and yeah. Um, there's one thing that will be a, a shame if the thing, uh, he was menacing, uh, he was, yeah, he, it, it, it was, he was it. So uh, I would very much love for him to return as Kingpin, but again, I don't see it happening. Deathman, the uh, recasting, rebooting, stay in the course, what do you think? First of all, you guys have done an amazing amount of homework with regards to the sort of background on all of this and the legal. I haven't really been keeping up to as, to the same extent as you guys because I, I find that kind of stuff fatiguing. I want to <laughs> tackle this from a slightly different angle, and 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 that's not to take not to throw no. any kind of shade on you guys. I'm really glad you did it because it's like I feel like I'm up to speed now. <laughs> please do, please take it from a different angle. But my, my angle would be, I think there's two really important things to think about here. One is what I think they should do. And the other would be really speculative about what I think they will do. So I'll, I'll take, I, I'm, I really think it should be a recast, reboot, even if it's soft. Um, I don't necessarily think that the MCU is contingent upon any actor, no matter how good they were in a role. And for the most part, across the board, the Netflix series were exceptionally well cast with a few exceptions. Um, uh, I, I'm going to go with Wellibers on that Iron Fist thing. I, I, I didn't quite like um, that kid, but uh, I did like Kristen Ritter uh, as Jessica Jones. So for, for me, um, I I don't want to say let's toss the baby and the bathwater out when it comes to the Netflix shows. If somebody wants to come back and John Berthold, yeah, I'll play the Punisher until I'm a granddad. Then you know, let's let's bring him back. But I think it should be in a new continuity. I think it should fit in with, you know, what was going on in the MCU and we shouldn't really speak about what happened in those Netflix shows. Now, I don't know where they are with contract status and whether Netflix is sort of giving up rights or, or you know, it, I know it's a cascade based on when those shows started. So there's like a two year window or something like that. But one, I think what the, the huge point that MCU fans miss about this is we should be happy that those characters are being repatriated. 
right? That they're coming home back to the the bigger landscape. We, there, there's no more there's no more leaser, and, and you guys know me. I'm I'm against like licensees, so, like Sony licensee. You, you know, like we need that stuff back. I'm I'm all for reunification. So, I mean, that being said, you there's definitely um. Wow. Uh, to, to articulate this, what I what I want to say is that um, and give me a moment, guys. I, and in terms of what they will do, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I find he is an incredibly hard man to read, Mr. Feige. He's very inscrutable. You know, he he has this really personable demeanor. The baseball caps, still, you know. Sunshine and roses with this guy, so it's it's hard to look b- behind the cap and and sort of see what it is that he's planning to do. So I, I think anything is possible, but if I had to guess what he was going to do, I think it's going to be a reboot and recast. I think he's going to go my way. Do you, Biz? Do you have any follow up on that? I was going to say something, but I um, it's hard to say. Like um. I mean, I mean, I guess there's a pre- uh, precedent with um, a soft reboot, for example, with um, uh, what's what's the name of that Daily Bugle guy, the one who's in charge oh, of it? J. John Jameson. Yeah, exactly. So there's that precedent. Um, but like in terms of like the multiverse, I mean, there's no way that uh, Feige is gonna pass up on like trying to get all the three Spider-Man to appear in one film. I mean, that'd be like history. I mean, that'd be like a history-making thing. For like the whole Marvel universe at large, and like just and, and, and a shared universe at large. But, but that, that's what I think anyway. And also there there is that there was that rumor where I'm not sure how real it was where Iron Fist was going to show up in Shang Chi. Was there any? Uh, uh, was that? I heard about that, but I've never seen any like legitimate. I would love that. But that, it would, would be cool. Crazy yeah. and insane. I would I would totally love it. And it would make a lot of sense. So, yeah, I'm that, guessing that would be probably a soft reboot too. To, um... Yeah, Shang-Chi is going to be crazy. I mean, it has a dragon in it. Mm. So, yeah, the reason the reason I, I think we're more or less on the same page here, I, I think they'll also, I think they'll soft reboot it, I think. And, and the reason is, is I, I just don't see them spending a lot of time on Origins. Uh, and, and so if they're not going to spend a lot of time on Origins, I don't, I don't know if there's going to really be much that'll that'll contradict what's happened in the past. And so even if they don't acknowledge the Netflix stuff, I, I think it'll still kind of just be there. You know, even if even if they don't officially adopt them. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It does to, to a certain extent. Um, I I'm hoping, you know, those characters have had a little bit of a cooling off period for now, but I think characters who've been in the media in the past like daredevil and the punisher probably need you know they could be sidelined for a while i'd rather see folks like uh power man and iron fist they they teased a power man and iron fist sort of get together with um luke cage and um iron fist in separate shows but the fans of the comic books really wanted to see those two as as a unit as as a sort of functioning partnership and there's no reason not to bring them back, but in that new combination, you know, um, the yin and yang. All-